continuing our study of the apostles this morning, we're going to talk about the apostle Philip. There are two people in the New Testament written about named Philip. You might recall Philip the Evangelist was the Philip that went and preached to the Philippian eunuch and converted him. He was a traveler with Paul and uh, he's mentioned quite a bit. The Apostle Philip, uh, not a lot was written about him, just like most of the apostles. We don't know a lot about them. Uh, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city by the shores of Galilee, which is also called the Sea of Tiberias. You'll see it named several things. This was a very a common place where Jesus did a lot of miracles, uh, healed the blind, and he did a lot of preaching there on the shore uh, of Tiberias, where Philip was from. And he was a close friend of Nathaniel, as Eddie told us last week. Uh, and he was also a very close friend of Andrew, uh, Peter's brother. And in the Bible, wherever you see Philip, you almost always uh, see either Nathaniel there with him or Andrew, who's usually always there with him. They were very good friends. Uh, Philip uh, became a disciple and an apostle of Christ, and he preached his whole life uh, the gospel of Christ and tried to convert as many people as he could. And he was, in the end, stoned to death for his faith. The Gospel of John is uh, the only place that really talks about Philip much. Uh, John chapter 1 says that when John, that there, there were two disciples of John the Baptist and John was uh, with them and when Jesus passed by and John said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and these disciples followed Jesus one of them is Andrew and the other because of context is most likely Philip they went and stayed with Jesus and spent some time with him and the next day Jesus went and found Philip and he asked him to follow him and Philip immediately left everything and followed Jesus and became his disciple and later an apostle of him. And as soon as he could, he, the first thing he did was go and find his friend Nathaniel and tried to convince him to also follow Jesus. And when Nathaniel didn't want to, he really hesitated and didn't want to do that. Philip simply told him, just come and see. He said, come and see. He, it was the same words that Jesus used when they asked Jesus where he was staying. He said, come and see. <clears throat> like the other apostles, Philip saw some truly amazing things while he followed Jesus and lived with him for several years. He saw a lot of miracles. And in John chapter 6, Jesus tested Philip. The Bible says, They say, uh, 
This is the only event they say that is actually in Jesus' life that is recorded. The only thing he did that was recorded in all four Gospels. John rarely said anything in his Gospel that wasn't already written in the others, but he's recorded this. It was an amazing thing that happened. Very specific details we know about this event. We know where it happened, and we know when exactly it happened. And there were over 5,000 people who saw this happen. Any one of them could have refuted it later and said, no, it didn't happen, but none of them ever did because it happened just like this. Jesus was traveling, decided to travel back to that side of the Sea of Galilee. And as he went there, these crowds of people followed him because of all the miracles that he had done. And so he took his disciples up to a mountain, and they all sat down upon this mountain and looked out on the valley below and saw this multitude of people just coming toward him. And Jesus knew he was going to have to help these people. And so the Bible said he tested Philip. He asked him, where shall we, where, where shall we buy bread so that these people can eat? And Philip replied that they didn't have enough money. That the little money they had would only feed a few of these people. And then Andrew piped up, said, well, there's a boy here that has five loaves and two fish. But what are they amongst all these people? Five thousand people. They've been traveling and walking. And they were tired and they were hungry. And so Jesus told them to go have all these people set down on the ground. So the disciples went out to the people and had them all set down. And Jesus took the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And the Bible says he blessed the fish and the bread. And he thanked God for providing these things. And then he took the pieces of bread and he divided them and he gave a piece to each of the apostles and told them to go feed the people. And so they went out and they started giving the the pieces of bread to the people but the more that they fed the people with these people with this, this bread and these fish the more they gave out the more they had. And the more they gave the more they kept giving. They just always had more than they were giving because our God, our God is rich in the gifts that He gives. He gives so abundantly. He gives so much. And it was God who was feeding these people. When over 5,000 people had eaten everything they could, they could eat, they couldn't eat anymore. They gathered up what was remaining, and it was 12 baskets full of bread remaining. Jesus would later try to get these people to follow him for what truly mattered. 
the words that he was preaching, the sacrifice, the life that he was giving them. But the people just wanted more bread. Just like Philip was tested that day, you and I are tested every day. Do you look to God for what you need? Or do you look to the world? That is the test. Jesus said to them, I Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he believes in me shall never thirst. We need Jesus in our life. We need Jesus to sustain us every day. We need him in our thoughts and in our heart. Because this world, this world will drain you spiritually. It's so much, so much greed and hate and envy and lust. There's so much that will just drain the spirituality out of you if you don't have Jesus in your heart, in your mind every day. You need Him to sustain you, just like food. And Philip learned that day not to trust the world, but to trust in Jesus. The only other place in the Bible that really talks about Philip is in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Philip asked Jesus a question. He asked him to show them the Father. And Jesus replied, He said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Philip wanted to see God. And God was sitting right in front of me. What a great honor it was, wasn't it, for these 12 apostles to live with Jesus? To be with Him every day? To follow Him? To hear Him? What an honor. Jesus told His disciples, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see, and haven't seen it. And to hear what you hear, and have not heard it. It was a great honor. But have you thought about what a privilege it is that we have to be able to see Jesus through their eyes? To be able to read all the things they wrote? To know everything that happened to to read all the things that he said and to see him through their eyes. What a privilege. The prophets of old would have loved to have that. They really wanted to have that, but they didn't. They didn't get to have that. We have a very clear image of Christ in the Bible. A very clear image. Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what He told Philip. And we have a 
a picture of him, and by studying his character in the Bible, we can we can understand, we can see God, we can see the character of God. Jesus was compassionate. He had great compassion. He had a very personal interest in people. He wept when people wept. He hurt when they hurt. He tried to heal everyone he saw. He showed mercy and compassion with both the rich and the poor. It didn't matter who he was. He showed compassion to you. And so, because of this, we know that God loves you. God has compassion on you. He wants to wipe away your tears. He wants you to live with Him in heaven because He genuinely has compassion towards you. We know that. Because Jesus is that way. Jesus was approachable. People of every age felt like they could actually come to Him and sit with Him and talk to Him and be with Him. He didn't act all haughty and aloof so that people were afraid to talk to him, to come to him. He wasn't like that. He was very approachable, which means that God in heaven, our Father in heaven, is approachable. We don't have to tremble in fear. We can go to him in prayer. We can, we can be comfortable with him. And you can approach his throne of grace without trembling. Because he is approachable. Jesus was unselfish. He gave and he gave and he gave until he had nothing else to give. He was so unselfish. He took the mocking and the beating and the nails and the spear for you. He gave everything. He always considered others before himself. And you know what that means. That God, our Father in heaven, always considers others over himself. How awesome is that? The creator of the universe considers you over himself. It's amazing. Amazing thought. Jesus was forgiven. Jesus never condemned people, but was very quick to forgive. Some wanted him to condemn those who were caught in sin. But Jesus instead showed them their own sin and told them they needed to repent. Jesus was about second chances. He was about giving people hope, giving them a chance to forgiving people instead of condemning people. And do you know what that means? That our God in heaven is forgiven. He forgives. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to have hope. He wants to give you a second chance. And he is willing to forgive you if you're willing to repent. Jesus 
was hopeful. You know, Jesus knew all the prophecies about himself. He knew the people were going to reject him. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew the path ahead, yet he didn't give up. He didn't lose hope. He didn't get discouraged and say, what's the point? He kept on. He kept going. He looked for the good in people. He hoped for the good in people. He hoped that people would repent and change and turn to God. He was hopeful. And so you know that God in heaven hasn't given up on you. He has hope for you. He's not discouraged when you fail, but he's hopeful that you will grow and you will repent and you will change and you will turn to him and you will become what he hopes you will become. God is hopeful. Jesus was gentle. Jesus had the power to command legions of angels and come down and destroy all of his enemies. He could have, but he didn't. He had power to destroy people, to wipe out anyone that opposed him, but he didn't. He was very gentle. He walked humbly among us. He didn't fight back when he was provoked, but he blessed people. And it might be hard to imagine the Almighty God as humble, as gentle, but Jesus showed us that's what he is. He's gentle, which is amazing. Jesus was patient. He often allowed events to proceed that he could have stopped. Saying, my time has not yet come. He traveled with 12 men that didn't understand him. That didn't get it. He had to remind them over and over and over again. They didn't know what he was about. They didn't know his purpose. They didn't understand him. He was patient. He gave them time. He waited. He waited and he waited for the right time. Because you know God in heaven is patient with you. He's willing to wait for you because God is patient. Our Father is patient with you and He is willing to wait for you to become what He knows you can become. God is patient. And lastly, I want to note how Jesus was faithful. Faithful always. He didn't have second thoughts. He didn't decide to change course, to change God's plan, to go a different direction. He was consistently faithful in every way. Everything he said he would do, he did. Exactly like he said he was going to do. Faithfully to the end. Which means God in heaven is faithful. And everything he said he would do for you, he will do. Every promise he made, he will keep. Because like Jesus, the Father 
is faithful. This is the God we serve. And He is an awesome, truly awesome God. Philip's Philip's question to Jesus, show us the Father, demonstrated that he didn't recognize God. He didn't recognize Him. I think sometimes we don't appreciate these qualities in the God we serve. But Jesus showed them to us. He showed these qualities to us, which are qualities of God. You know, when Philip when Philip wanted his friend Nathaniel to follow Jesus, he told him, just come and see. Come and see. Do people see Jesus in you? Probably the best way to bring people to Christ isn't through persuasive arguments, intellectual arguments that are just so persuasive. The best way is to show them Jesus. Show them to Him. Now, we can't physically take people to Jesus like Philip did. But you can show them Jesus in your life. You can show them what Jesus is like in your life, by the way you live your life. Do people see Jesus in your life? Think about the interactions with people you had this week. Just think about them. Think about the people you talk to, the people you sat with, your friends, your family, your wife, your children. Did they see Jesus in you this week? I don't think a lot of people saw him in me this week. Know your family and your friends. They need to see Jesus in you. This world, this dying, corrupt world needs to see Jesus in you. see his compassion. We need to see how unselfish he was. How forgiving he was. How kind, how gentle he was. And how hopeful he was. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I encourage you to think about qualities of Jesus and try to show people these qualities. Because just like you need food, they need Jesus in their life. You need Jesus in your life. And this world needs to see him. This is all I have from the study of faith this morning. I hope it's been helpful and useful to you. We're going to sing a song of invitation now if you have a request for prayers or anything spiritual the church can do to you, please come forward now as we stand and sing.